Good morning, everybody. I'm on. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see everybody, especially our guests this morning. My name is Pastor Rich. Good to see everybody this morning. We know the summer's almost over. Everyone give a cheer. <laughs> all right, kids, go back to school. I'm so excited about that. And me, all this stuff you've been with us this whole summer, we've been talking about, we've been in a sermon series called Baggage, and we've been talking about unpacking our bags and giving those things that we deal with on a daily basis to God and letting him check our bags permanently. And today, how many know we're in a war? How many know you're in a war? When you gave your life to Jesus, you stepped into a war. And one thing about warfare, um, this one here I'm talking about being addictive, talking about addictions. To me, I understand I wake up every day to a war. One from the eternal, my flesh. Two of them external, the devil in the world. Now, some of you, when you walked in the door this morning, you walked into some confusion. We have an enemy. We had a, a bird eat through the wires, take out our other side of the building. So we had to move our children's church to this side of the building. We came in this morning trying to get it back up. The air conditioning guy cannot find the, the problem. Half the lights don't work. We know we have to call the electrician. And everyone say, ching, ching. It's going to be ching, ching. So we know we have to pay for that. So that uh, unexpected. We didn't expect that. Then I'm preaching the first service, and then my my lapel mic goes out. I'm a guy from New York City, and I got to hold a mic in my hand. Warfare. Warfare. Every day you get up, there's a pull on your flesh. There's resistance from the enemy. And there's a gravitational pull from the world. And we're going to unpack that. It's called, today's addictions. Addiction is one of those things... Sometimes it, does, it doesn't seem like an effective punch because we kind of make that mixed diagnosis all the time. We try to put it on therapeutic level only, and we keep it out of the spiritual realm. But how many know, here's the definition of addiction. One of the definitions of addiction is slavery to sin. Slavery to sin. I love John 8, 34. Jesus said everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Addiction is a slavery to sin. Yes, the word sin. Not an issue, not a problem, not a shortcoming, sin. It's against everything. When we diagnose it right, we have the right prescription to break addiction. How many want that prescription this morning? Second one is, if you take a note, addiction is false freedom. Whatever you're dealing with, you're addicted to it. It promises you so much, but it leaves you with nothing. Second Peter 2.19 said, they promised them, they promised them freedom, but them themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Addiction is enslaved, enslaves people. Puts you like in prison. Let me give you some stats of addiction. It's not, there's so many areas that we have. We have, in one part here it says, we have 21 million people, almost 2,100 million people, who have at least one addiction, and only 10% of them receive treatment. Alcohol and drug addiction cost the U.S. economy over $600 billion every year. Now, just not alcohol. We have opiate. We have heroin addiction. Heroin's a big thing in Taylor County. If you look at alcohol addiction, just some of the stats on that, about 88,000 people die as a result of alcohol every year in the United States. In 2017, approximately 2.3 million Americans between the age, listen to me, 12 and 17, and 2.4 million between the ages of 18 and 25 started to drink 
alcohol. Let's look at the opiates. About 130 Americans die every day on opiate overdose. Heroin. About 494,000 Americans over the, over the age 12 are regular heroin users. Now, you know my story. I'm a foster child. My parents were on heroin, and it's, it's deadly. But what's really, really hitting our Abilene Police Department lately, and this is families, is marijuana. About 30 to 40 million Americans smoke marijuana every year. Americans over the age of 26 use marijuana for the first time. In 2018, 13% of eighth graders, 20% of 10th graders, and 35% of 12th graders have used marijuana at least once. Those are opiates, alcohol, heroin, marijuana. And Pastor Rich, what do you, okay, I understand, maybe I'm not on that. How about social media? They have a thing now called social media addiction. You might have some symptoms. Lack of sleep. Lack of physical activity. Some of my military men's, amen. Low success in school and work. High level anxiety. Depression. Loneliness. And they added something in there, carpal tunnel syndrome. Now you wonder why carpal, why you put that in there? Because you're not doing nothing but this. But no activity. Addiction. Sleepless nights. Sleep disorders. Because of a computer or a cell phone. Those are some of the stats. Addiction, slavery to sin, and false freedom. And God takes it very seriously. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, and I want to show you a couple things. In, in one verse we're going to unpack today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. When you look at the book of Colossians, I love it. It talks about the majesty of Jesus Christ and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. But if you look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says this basically the whole, uh, um, uh, sum, to sum it all up in, one, in uh, three words, it says, seek the heavenly. Seek the things that are above, not the things below. Take your eyes up and not down. Then it says from 5 to 9, slay the earthly. And we're going to look at verse 5. It says, slay, kill the earthly. Seek the heavenly and slay that gravitational pull in your life. And we'll look at verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, here's a lot of things we can understand. When we go after deals like this addiction, we can't think about the physical. There's a root to it. There's an inner, inner desires and obsessions that go berserk in our lives. Inner desires and obsessions. Now, here's the thing. These desires God put in us for the good. The devil and God created them. Now, the devil counterfeits them. So it can be a good thing turn the wrong direction, serving the wrong master. Now, that word put to death, you got to understand this. It means this complete extermination of the old way of life. It means this and amplified. 
Put to death everything that energizes. Put to death and deprive of power anything that's earthly in you. God is serious about put it to death. Why? He says what we desire determines what we'll do. What we would desire will determine what we do. I love the show, Property Brothers. My house was old enough, now I got to learn how to be Bob Vila again. And they come in, they bring a couple in, they build it, they show them the brand new house when they walk in there. And they're like, this is great. We want this, we got that, that's amazing. Everything we want, then they show them the price. They say, ah, and what we'll do, we'll take you to a place that we'll reconstruct, we'll remodel, we'll redevelop for you only. And they take a place and they gut it. And they rebuild it. And they renovate it. And they renew it. The problem is the property brothers stopped short of what God wants to do in our life. They didn't take out the foundation. Because I'd like to see that house five years from now. When he says destroy it, your old nature, he's talking about anything that energizes your old nature, kill it. That word put to death, mortify, destroy it. Because if you don't destroy it, it's going to come back and destroy you. He is dead serious about that because he knows how it holds us in slavery, holds us in bondage, that we cannot be all that God calls us to be. And he knows we'll call it an issue. We'll, call it, we'll dumb it down to all these things. And not what it is, it's breaking the sin in our lives. It's amazing. Complete extermination. Jackhammer that foundation. In fact, I love when they build new stadiums. What do they do? They actually take another stadium to go across. The old one's here. They take a new one. What do they do? Build a brand new one. And what do they do to the old one? Completely destroy it. When I was born again, the old rich was here. God said, build them anew. And rich do not go after that old. It's gone. It's dead. In fact, it's a process. I'm going to teach you how to keep it dead, to keep it buried. I'm going to jackhammer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock this thing down, and I'm going to develop this. Because what we desire determines what we'll do. Our text, when you look at our text, you see there is sexual immorality, which in the, in the Greek means pornea, where you get the word porn, and impurity, passions, and evil, and des- evil desires. One word captivates all this. It's called lust. Not love, lust. Love, lust wants to get, love wants to give. And when you look at um, the word pornea, sexual immorality, talking about porn, I had a couple stats here. And sometimes we look at the adults and some of us, and we're not dealing with some of you are dealing with it, but I want to tell you what's behind this. I went to a, a, a training the other day on uh, our children dealing with the Internet, talking about the certain apps that our children have, some of you college students have, where predators are waiting to get a hold of you. And the average, said the average child here with a smartphone, not a dumb phone, in Abilene, Texas, the stats is eight years old. And in and uh, stateside is 12 years old. It says this, every second, $3 million is spent, over $3 million is spent on pornography. 28,258 internet users view pornography every, I mean, per second. The word porn is the fourth most searched word, you listen for this, by kids under the age of seven.
And when you say disciple your kids, we mean it. Don't put them in a group where good people are. You need to be the parents and disciple them. The average age of a person who sees porn for the first time is 11 years old. And they're talking about that cell phone, smartphone. And they know the phone better than you know the phone. And what, what are you looking at? They can go click. Snapchat is not their best friend. In fact, I was told by the chief, if you have Snapchat, I don't care what age, delete it. Especially the secret user. TikTok. Heard someone talking about TikTok. He said, delete it. It's a platform for predators. And he said, and he scared some people. I can't tell you too much because you might be sitting next, next door to one. Lust. Why is lust such a big deal? The gravitational pull of the world. First um, John 2.16 says this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world, our mind, our worldly mindsets, that which is a gravitational pull. Because all you hear is, it should be okay because everyone's doing it. It won't hurt anybody. What you don't kill in your life will kill you and your family. Because then it gets even, it goes deeper. It talks about greed. And we see about greed, and you know, we know the scripture that said, no one can serve two masters. Because you can't serve two masters because there's going to be a time that comes when they will make, those masters will make opposing demands on your life. I can do it. No, no, no. One, you're going to love one and hate the other automatically. Greed does that. How much is too much? I have to have it. And it becomes greed turns into idolatry. Because you want to have it. I got to have it. I got this. And what happens is it could be a good thing. But it becomes a God thing, which makes it a bad thing. Above all, I must. Above all, I should. Above all, I will. Above who? God? And it could be a great thing. But you made it a God thing, which made it a bad thing. And the pull will idolize a lot of things. We'll idolize our kids. Their sports will idolize a lot of things. Our workplace, our position. As a minister, I got to be careful. I don't make ministry as an idol. In fact, I tell young I tell young ministers all the time, do not put your ego <laughs> close to your calling or close to your position because when they change your position, you're going to have a hard time because you idolize that position. Yeah, you, I, yeah, I preached sermons. Yeah, that was in Chicago. You're in Abilene now. Clean the bathroom. Don't, what, you idolizing something that you did? It's just a, it's just a season in your life. He's trying to teach you something. Why? What we desire determines what we'll do. I love what John Piper says. <laughs> Idolatry starts in the heart. Craving 
wanting, enjoying, being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. What happens? Our desires start to sit on the throne of our heart and not on the throne of God. And they become objects of worship, which is idolatry. We worship who we are more than we worship God. We worship where God put us more than the one who put us there. And what happens, we see it all the time. People put all their lives in something they do, and the minute they fail, they're done. Because they put all their lives in an idol that do not speak, do not talk back. And we're seeing it all over the place. America has new idols. Christianity has new idols. And we have new questions. Are you on the left? Or are you on the right? Are you in the middle? Are you for us or are you against us? I think the same thing happened with Joshua. He was going out to battle in Joshua chapter 5. Jesus came down. He said, I'm captain of the Lord's army. Are you for us or are you for against us? You know, he said, I came to take over. I came to take over all this stuff. And we make idols the main thing. The government does not feed Pastor Rich. God does. He used the government as a vehicle to bring order, not to idolize. It shouldn't matter who I vote for. It doesn't matter if I'm red or I'm blue or I'm this. Well, I'm black, so I don't know how that works. And the questions when we should talk about, hey, how about the gospel? Who got saved? Who got baptized? Pastor Rich, what's your, what's your take on racism? Um, I don't know. Come back. Come back to me. Because if we take care of the main thing, the God thing is people get saved. That erases racism. I didn't think of that. I know. Let's want to make the main thing the wrong thing. You're idolizing your position. And don't we use so don't we use social media in that moment? Aren't we brave on social media? We want to tell someone off, don't we? Come on, somebody. I'm gonna let them know how I feel on this position. Like they're really reading it. Do you feel better now? I hope you really that was a lot of brain cells you killed. Trying to tell people what I am, this is what I'm for. If you're for Jesus, we'll speak. If you're not, we'll talk later. Because at the center of the life is Christ ourselves. That is not, he is the one I will look for. Jesus came down on the, on the uh, Israelites all the time. They, when they follow all the idols, they follow all the fads, they follow all these programs for the day, and they, when they got in trouble, they're crying out to me. He said, God came down at that moment. He said, what you crying out to me for? Go talk to your idol. What, go ahead, go talk to him. He, they're, they're your savior. He don't talk. They don't say anything. They would. Stop. He's, he's saying, basically, we have to do this, guys. We got to stop worshiping creation and worship the creator. We got more causes on creation than we do with the creator. Everyone gets angry on issues, and no one gets passionate about Jesus. Right? And everyone knows everything. I'm glad the older I get, the more I know nothing. Idolatry. Why? What we desire determines what we'll do. 
Now, what God wants us to do is desire his, him <laughs> and his word. And as we desire God and his word, we start to walk away and we break off. We put to death the addictions in our lives. We put to death the addictions in our lives. Desire is a great word. In the in scripture, Psalm 1, 2, but his delight, that word means his desire. This is a man who desires God, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And what the question is, what do I desire more? And when you read this passage, the writer is saying this. You have this the one that walked with God and the one didn't. You have to make a decision. Do you desire God more than these? And when, call, when Peter got called back from his, his um, when he fell in front of Jesus, he said this. Do you love me more than that big catch you just got? Do you love me more? Do you desire to be with me more than, your, than your, your talent? More than your platform? More than your reputation? More. And he said, I'm going to help you out on this. Because it's a gravitational pull to put you, to make you worldly minded, which is called carnal Christians. I'm going to give you this book. I'm going to give you my word. Everything I say is going to save your life. He said, I want you to meditate on day and night. Now, a lot of times we spend time on the word meditate, but here's what it is. Here's my take on it. I want to meditate on the word of God until I integrate it into my life. Meditation leads to integration. So every decision I have comes out of the word of God. When people say, you seem to be narrow-minded, yes. Because if he didn't say it, I'm not going to say it. And I want to know what, he's, what his take is on anger. I want to know what his take is on these issues because I don't want to foul out with a worldly response. Are you tracking with me? That means you got to desire him more than being right. You desire him more than winning an argument. Desire him more than taking a position. The world is getting, we, can, we connected all around the world. It's easy for anybody to get on a platform and have a position. But I'm waiting for the day. God, give us this day that our position is your position. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over your soul, your mind, your spirit, your body, everything. Because when you do that, when you make that decision, the next thing you want to do, you want to draw near to God every day. You want to draw. I cannot wait to get up and see you in the morning, Father. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And what he's really saying in a, in, a in, a, in a practical realm, he said, Rich, your heart needs to be clean so your mind is clear. As I read this word, it starts to clean my heart so I have a clearer view on what life is really saying and where we're really going. A clean mind gives you a clear heart. We use that in athletics. When you work out, I feel better. I can see clearly. The same way with the word of God. You got to practice. You got to read it. You got to integrate it into you. And then all of a sudden, you're going to have a clean mind and a clear heart. And you have to have a double-minded personality. 
because what he's saying, you're fighting on for position of this, Rich. Don't fight for position of this. Only walk with me. Draw near to me. I will draw near to you. That's a theological reality and a promise. The practical reality is I have to draw near first. Now, here's the second thing. Here's the only thing I realize. I'm not making the first move. Jesus made the very first move. When he came on the earth, lived 33 years, died on the cross for us, rose up so we can have life in him. He made the first. God took the first move. I'll take the second move. I'm going to draw close to him. He's going to draw close to me. I better see and hear clearly. And in the midst, I'm being more transformed into the image of God. Because we need it now. The pull is hard. You watch the wrong thing on TV, you're like, you're getting angry. Why am I getting angry? I don't know. And then I get my word. And it knocks down all your addictions. You know what my addiction is? Comfort. You get my age, it's hard getting up 6 in the morning. It really is. In fact, you get my age, it's, trying, it's hard to get comfortable sleeping at night without 16 pillows and a couple armbands. You ought to see my hands. I look like, I look like Robo Man when I go to bed. And when you wake up hurt, that's kind of bad. When you wake up hurt, that's kind of bad. But my flesh is screaming out, take the day off. Take, take some time. You, you worked hard enough. Oh, no, no, there's so much to do. I wouldn't know how to take a break. You know, you know that addiction of comfort that we're all going after? Nice car, nice house, pretty kids, successful job. And then when you die, no one cares. You leave it to the government because they're good at it. See, I can say that because the older I get, the more they take. It's a joke. Don't get upset. I'm not anti-government. I just know where their position is. Jesus has to be the center of my life. But don't have your, those behind us, don't steer them in the wrong direction. Draw near to God. One thing about drawing near to God when I start to draw near, and we've all been there, and when we start really going after God every day, because it's an everyday thing, pick up your cross daily and follow me, you're going after God. All of a sudden now you're being led by God. Y'all get that? Y'all being led by God. But now I realize to be led God by God, i got to be humble before God. Humility is the biggest lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. God, I got this. You saved me. I got the rest of my life. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. He cannot lead you if you're prideful. Most people walking in pride in the kingdom of God, this is their life. Because you've become the center of all your education and your revelation, and this is as far as you're going to grow. You ever see people, you, they grow past you? No one will admit it here. Humility. What am I talking about? Psalms 25.9. David was an amazing psalm if you had to read it. He says it leads to humble. And what is right? Righteousness, okay? Not being right, right. And teaches the humble his way. Now, he leads and he teaches. He leads the humble. 
and he teaches the teachable. Humility leads to teach. You have to be taught. Because if you don't, or you're not teachable, amen, you do not discover his way. He teaches us his way. That means he has a better way, a finer way, better than my way. We talk about past everything that we're in the trouble in today is because we want to do it our way. I'm from New York City. Everything's about my way. I did it my way. I did it my way. And God said, no, do it my way. I'll teach you my way. But you got to be humble to receive my way. And we say the prayer every week, every day, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. That means my will needs to. I'm saying, my little pint sign brain tries to figure out life, and I'm the one who created heaven, earth, have all the plans in my hand. I think I need to listen to him. What do you think? Reason why this is strong. God is serious about killing addiction in our lives. He doesn't want you to misdiagnose it. He wants you to kill it. Because he knows if you don't kill it, it'll come back and kill you. One of the ways God does that, he leads me in his word, he leads me to his church, and he leads me to his people who help me kill that which is trying to kill me. Pride is one of those things you don't even know you have it. It's like bad breath until someone tells you you have it. Want you to kill that. Kill anything that energizes that. It means you reshape your life so that doesn't trigger and your life doesn't come up. All the energy sources get away from you. Gotta know yourself better than you know your, than someone else knows you. And you gotta be honest with yourself to say, I need help in this. I need counseling in this in my church, but also I need you to appoint me to someone who's a professional. Because there's no pride, there's no shame in that. Who wants to be free? Who wants to get rid of these bags? Who wants to get all those things? And the way God uses it, he says, walk with me. He said, Abraham, what? stop it. You tried. You tried to have, you have Ishmael. Walk before me harmless. Walk before me in humility. Just watch me work and follow me. I'll give you everything you need. But I don't desire you to walk around with this heavy brick. And since Alan Moses here, come Alan. Yeah. I figure he's here, I might as well use him. Because he's not working lately. Him and him and um him and uh Lindsay, they're walking around Colorado, going to stores, hanging go hanging in the park. You know, they don't, they don't do nothing <laughs> except the gospel. The most important thing, amen, hold that for me. How heavy is that? <laughs> Put it on one hand. Just hold it like that. Hold, flex it like that and keep it for a while. Then we're going to worship God just like this. But it is a weight, isn't it? You're flexing. Suppose, guys, you get weary with this. Initially, you think you can carry it. But pride says, it's all about me. I, I can handle this. 
I can handle my marriage. I can handle my addiction. I can handle my drinking. I can handle my marijuana. I can handle my opiates. And after a while, because you see right now what's going on, it's starting to, it's starting to go down. Yeah, because it's getting, come on, crank it, baby, come on. You can't, come on, it's going to help you. It's going to help you with Caleb. Come on, Caleb. Because he's going to carry you one day when you get old, bro. Believe me, Sarah's going to carry me everywhere. What happens is, you get wore out. And you come here, let's go change the city. You're too wore out, Pastor Rich. Why? Because I'm hiding something that we already know. Thanks, bro. This is heavy. I couldn't pick it up now because I have um, problems with my elbows. Makes my hands lock up. It's heavy. And he says, kill it. Don't renew it. Don't renovate it. Don't put fresh paint on it. Destroy it. Jack up, jackhammer that alcohol. Jackhammer that marijuana. Jackhammer that thing. Clear it out, and I'm going to build something new in your lives. Let's all stand. Because, see, God wants you more than, more than I can tell. And he gives us everything we need. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You know your area. I'm not embarrassing people here. It's more than just what I said, the main things. Do I worship people more than I worship God? Do I worship my position more than I worship God? That's an idol. That's addiction. You're addicted to it. You're addicted to the wrong thing. The devil will take natural desires and good desires and pervert them. That's what he does. So right where you are, says God, Father, I repent. Say, I repent, Father. Remember, because a clean heart, <laughs> I can see clearly. I can hear clearly. I can understand clearly when the Holy Spirit's trying to talk to me right now. He's saying, some of you now, before you leave here, get with some leaders. Jump into a group. Someone will lead you in the right direction. And they'll tell you, I've been there. I've been there. I understand that. But pride will tell you, I got it. I got it. And then we won't see you any longer. I hate this joke, but I'm going to hate this analogy, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you don't cut out cancer, cancer will cut you out. And addiction is a cancer. And it, what you've seen right here, it can go through generation to generation to generation. And Father, I ask right now, we're going to break that this morning. We ask for your hand, God, to touch your people. It's a moment in their time. Holy Spirit, come. There's no one calling anyone else. You are checking with us. Our desire is to be with you. We want to draw near to you. And Father, we want to come humbly before your presence. And we are called to worship you. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And you call us to glorify you in our bodies. We are your temple. And you don't want defiled temples. You want clean and clear temples so we can help those who don't know they are a temple. So that's our desire, Lord, to know you, to praise you. Most of all, God, <laughs> glorify you. And you're going to stand in a, a posture where you are.
We're going to worship God right now like we never worshiped him before. The altar is open. If you need to come to the altar to worship, you are free to come forward. No one's looking at you. You want to get closer to God, you come up there. You make that first step. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And that's what he does in his church is his altar. So, Father, I thank you right now as we go. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And let our response be aligned with your word. In Jesus' name, amen.